Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD, and today we have the pleasure of bringing you our amazing friend and one of our favorite bloggers, Jen Dunn of Keeping Up with Kaya. Welcome, Jen, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jen, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your journey with autism and why you chose to share that on your platform? Sure. Um, I have a daughter. Her name is Kaya. She is 10 years old and she's on the autism spectrum. She was diagnosed at two and a half. Um, being a girl, she did not have a lot of the um, signs for autism, so her diagnosis is a little bit different, uh, the process of it. But she was nonverbal until she was five. She didn't eat solid food until she was eight. And I didn't know anybody with autism. Um, I started following our blogger friend, Kate, at Finding Cooper's Voice. And I started writing really just as a therapeutic uh, kind of outlet for myself. I started my own little page and it just kind of went from there. It's been a lot of fun. Can you... Can you talk about what masking in girls looks like? Because that's kind of a new term um, for me as a mom with a boy on the spectrum. But I know that that's really prevalent in girls. Yeah. um, Well, with with Kaya, she didn't, you know, the markers of the, you know, she, she had good eye contact. I mean, not great eye contact, but she had eye contact. Um, You know, she didn't rock. She didn't spin. At that time, she had no vocal stimming. She just wasn't talking. And actually, when they diagnosed her, it was the psychologist's um, last patient she saw before she retired. And she wasn't sure if Kaya was autistic, but she said she was going to go ahead and give her the diagnosis so she could get started with therapy. Now there's no question she has autism, but at two and a half, it looked very different. So, yeah. Instead of a two day diet, instead of a two day, um, they took three because they just brought her back. They just, they just couldn't figure her out. Right. Now here in most states in the U.S., we have what's called help me grow. It kind of differs from state to state, but the help me grow program is early intervention up to age three. Does Canada have something like that, Katie, or is that not really a thing? No, we have early intervention and there is other programs available based on what province you live in and kind of what supports and what you're looking for that is steps even before, say, like a pre-K program, even earlier than that, something that you can bring your child to to get supported and helped. But it really, I think it really varies on what you're looking for what you want to get your child involved in and then also kind of where they fall into what would help them and suit their needs best but we do have early intervention and and i know when we talk about saskatchewan we have an amazing early intervention program that's province-wide and helps all kinds of kids and then you know we have a few other little things just kind of based on the city you live in um it's it's very sporadic Um, But I think most people really stick to putting their children in early intervention and how important that is. And then also maybe if 
they have the funds available, getting extra support in the home and just looking online for some type of respite or support person to come in and help them. So with us, um, we had early intervention from, uh, I shouldn't say that, we had helped me grow from birth because I was a first time mom. So we qualified in this grant program and Jackson started showing signs at 12 months where he wasn't meeting all of his markers, but he wasn't delayed enough for us to get a referral from Help Me Grow into early intervention. He lost all speech, so they did send speech in, but we didn't have that autism diagnosis or a referral to get tested for autism until 18 to 24 months. And that was by my pushing, not because he fell into this gray air or this you know, in the negative area on these uh, help me grow evaluations. And then at three, that stops anyway, but help me grow does help you transition into your IEP at school. Do you have that as well in Canada or is that different too? You, we have it here in BC. Where they yeah. help transition into school. Yeah, so yeah. they actually, when Kaya was, um, before she was diagnosed and I was concerned because I mean, I all, all my girlfriends were all pregnant at the same time. And you know, my daughter wasn't doing what their, her, their kids were doing. So I could see the difference. Um, mm -hmm. And I got referred to an early start program and I took her and I remember the therapist leaned over and whispered in my ear, your daughter is not autistic. I don't know why they sent you here again, because she presented so different than a boy. Right. And so I was like, that's right. She, you know, you hang on to that hope. Mm -hmm. And you know, here we are eight years later. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Even with our first diagnosis, um, I thought, no, our pediatrician who said he's just a boy, he'll talk when he's ready. That's truly what's going on here. This doctor doesn't know. And then two weeks later, we saw another developmental pediatrician who I didn't take any of our paperwork from our first appointment. And she diagnosed word for word exactly the same. And it wasn't until that point that I was ready, I think, to accept that and agree with that. Yeah. So Jen, can you talk about Kaya's food journey and what led you to feeding therapy? That's one of the most interesting things, I think, because it's not really um, used very mm -hmm. often, but a lot of our kids struggle. Yes. Um, so this for me was the most rewarding and interesting part um, of our whole journey so far. There's one clinic here which they don't advertise. They're so busy. There's such a backlog that they don't even have to kind of go out and do any advertising at all. Um, Kai was in occupational therapy and she went an hour a week and for 15 minutes out of that hour, they would try to get her to play with food and touch it. Obviously they were making no progress. So her, actually her occupational therapist did a little research, spoke to a therapist she knew. She said, hey, I know the clinic that does feeding. Um, it, what, it's a, it was a nine day intervention. It was $8,800. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. So you go in with the, you know, kind of holding your breath. It was remarkable. Um, so Kaya was eight. She had never chewed or, or swallowed a solid food. So things like Cheerios, those are not considered a solid food. Um, and she was living off of um, organic pureed baby food at eight years old. That's what she would take to school for lunch. And it was really, you're not allowed to go in there, but you could watch it on on a video and they recorded it all. So they just start, it's all ABA based. 
and they start with see I brought at the time she she loved Gerber those little baby Gerber candies that melt in the mouth mm-hmm. that were for six and eight month olds that was what my daughter was eating and they would so that they would just take they get they say make a food list of what you want her to eat well I didn't even know where to start because my kid didn't eat I couldn't even imagine her eating meals so my mom actually made the list and it was little things like peanut butter and toast um, which is actually a hard texture for kiddos to eat they start with watermelon apparently watermelon is the easiest food for a child to start with and they do it the size of oh my goodness a speck like a little drop of dirt you can barely see it on the plate they actually start that small and they just let them get used to it being on the table and then it's letting them touch it and then it's actually putting it to their mouth and then putting it in their mouth and it was remarkable it was just a very seamless transition for her they sit them in a special chair it, they're not strapped in there's a lot of controversy people think they're strapped in they are not strapped in they are never forced to eat anything um, but it's a reward base so they have a chart and she would get her a little candy after every bite she loved it it was remarkable so she went from eating nothing and she left there eating um, I'm big on organic so I tried to do as much of that because her little body had no nutrients um, chicken breasts pork chops turkey breasts salmon, roasted potatoes, Annie's macaroni and cheese. She was eating, she's eating carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, every fruit you can imagine. It was remarkable. And it was, so nine days they do it, um, little sessions throughout the day and they give them little breaks throughout the day. Uh, we found Kaya wasn't doing well with the breaks. She kind of wanted to get her time done and get in and out. So they just adapted to the child and it was wonderful. And we still see the feeding clinic uh, once a month. They come into our home as a follow-up. I think it's important to keep both of us accountable. And she requests foods now. She does, right, Jen? Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not a regimen menu, but she requests lots of different yeah, things. Yeah, she's got, I mean, she wouldn't, let's say, go to your house, sit down and eat a meal. Um, mm-hmm. but the, so they did the, there's two ways to do the therapy. You can do it all in, in the clinic, which is a little bit less expensive, or you can split it into two and have them come into your home, which obviously they recommend. As we know with our children, they get very rigid where they learn things. And they said a lot of times if they just learn to eat at the clinic, they won't carry that out into the home. So I actually had them go to my mom's house to eat. Um, and our house. So she got used to other places, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. she'll eat, you know, we can go to my mom's now and she can make the same food Kaya eats and she'll now eat it. That's pretty neat actually to see. That is. And you wrote a piece about this um, and you, you shared that you were buying how many pouches? A 400 month? pouches. I had the grocery store was fantastic that I went to. They got to know me. Um, they would have me call in every Wednesday by 2, 2 p.m. to place my order and they would order a pallet for me. And then they would let me pull up right to their front door and their staff would bring the pallet and load it into my truck. And it was 400 pouches every three weeks. That is yeah, it was remarkable. And actually Gerber Canada somehow found out I was looking for these pouches and they sent me 400 pouches to my office as a here's for your kid which was unbelievable they did that yeah right. it was really neat um I also wanted to ask you I really connected with your story when you talked about meds being unsuccessful yeah. because we had the same um the same result not exactly the same but they were not successful for us either could you talk about that yeah and I always you know I always say I don't want to offend anybody because I know that meds have been um, 
you know, life-saving for a lot of kiddos. For my daughter, unfortunately, um, they just think that her body can't tolerate the medications. She doesn't metabolize them. Um, so instead of, so we went on meds for her anxiety and instead of helping her anxiety, it was, <laughs> you know, within an hour of her taking a pill, she would go dark and she would self-harm. She would scream bloody murder. She became unbelievably aggressive and it always happened within an hour of taking a pill. Um, and unfortunately what happened is every time I would reach out for help, they would increase her medication. We ended up in the ER a couple times. They would double her doses. So then she w- it was just getting worse and worse and worse um, to the point she was on nine medications a day. Um, a psych referral came through because they thought, you know, you know, maybe she's bipolar. Maybe she's, they just didn't know what was happening with her because she was just changing so much. And a psychiatrist looked at her file and said, well, first of all, she's on nine different medications. There's been no baseline for her. He said, everyone just keeps upping this kid's meds and changing meds and increasing, decreasing. And so I made the very tough decision to take her off of them. And she's still being weaned off. And this has been going on since February because a lot of these are blood, blood thinners, heart medication, and you just can't stop them. Um, so unfortunately, right. I don't think my daughter will probably ever be able to take medication. Yeah, we um, we also did the same. We thought that medication would help treat Jackson's anxiety that we were seeing, which is why we thought his eating habits were the way that mm-hmm. they were. And a lot of the lining and routine, um, we could just see that he was anxious. Nothing was ever enough right. for him. And unfortunately for us, it's kind of the same thing. They made him very impulsive and very aggressive. And he metabolized them in a way that we couldn't understand and get a hold of. Um, and he was five when we yeah. started. And by the third medication we tried, we knew that it wasn't helping his anxiety. It was only heightening Well, also it. what happened is they induced seizures in Kaya. And she had a very severe seizure at school. They called the ambulance. She was taken by ambulance. She was admitted into the hospital. And the neurologist at Children's Hospital said, I know exactly why she had a seizure. It was X, Y, Z. And of course, everybody else mm-hmm. was like, no, 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 that can't be it. And it actually was because she had another MRI and there was no activity of seizures. And that's one of the scariest things for me is we don't deal with seizures and I we're so blessed mm-hmm. with that, but it scares me because our kids don't know to come and ask yeah. for help. And in those moments, um, anything can happen. Yeah. Well, the medication was, as the psychiatrist said, was almost like tranquilizing her. And he said, obviously children with autism, we know when they're sedated, a lot of times they come out very aggressive because the medications are hard on their bodies. And he said that was happening mm-hmm. to her all the time. So as soon as the med would sort of wear off, it was time for another pill. And then it would just start all over again. And Kaya slept yeah. probably an entire year away because she was so sedated. And when she wasn't sedated, she was aggressive. Yeah. Right. And now she's a princess when she's awake oh, most yes, of the time. Absolutely. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> right. Um, I also wanted to ask, what is one thing you wish more people knew about autism? Because we all share so honestly about our journeys. And I feel like even as much as we share, there's still so much teaching to be done. And people do want to understand. Mm-hmm. Um. I wish people could understand um, how she's riddled with anxiety. 
that's what I wish they could understand about her mm-hmm. and how it affects her day to day. And it does, it cripples her. And that's very, we see very that hard too. to explain that to people because they see a little 10 year old and they're like, she has anxiety. She's 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. So really for them to understand that part of it. I mean, you know, we're in line and she stims and we get stares and you know, that just is what it is. Um, you know, I kind of understand that it's, it, she looks different. She's flapping around and making noises. And I, I guess on some level, of course, people are going to look, you know, you know what I mean by that, but that's right. not a big oh, yeah. deal. It's understanding why everything happens. I wish people could understand. We um, had a meeting with our IEP team last year and we all had this turning moment where I said, he's not giving you a hard time. He's having a hard time. And we all have to remember that as um, overwhelmed as we feel, he feels that times 10 and he can't express that. And we will never understand the way that he interprets the whole world, but it is him having Mm -hmm. a hard time, not giving us a hard time. Well, actually that happened today. Um, You know, her caregiver said to me, you know, Kai just, she started screaming and crying and covering herself under the the blanket. And her her caregiver said, what can I do? I said, you just need to leave her alone and you just need to let her kind of come out of it. And she said, it just breaks my heart that I can't help her. There's nothing you can do to help her in that moment. Mm -mm. And we see those behaviors um, probably every hour. Um, The anxiety just takes over for various reasons, whether it be problem solving or school or um, moving from one task Mm -hmm. to another. And it is, it's heartbreaking. So, Jen, what has been your experience um, with kind of the IEP process in school in Canada since you and Katie kind of um, both advocate in Canada where I'm down here in the States? Um, Kindergarten through grade two was really hard. Um, You know, and I'm sure Katie can agree with this. There's not a lot of training. Uh, I don't blame the EAs. I want to be clear on that, which is the education assistants. There's not a lot of training for them. They don't really understand autism. They're a glorified babysitter. Um, Kaya became aggressive in kindergarten. They had no idea how to deal with it. So they would put her in a cloakroom by herself, um, which is nowhere to put a kindergarten little girl in a cloakroom with boots and coats. So Kaya was pulled out of kindergarten um, before the end of the year. And then grade one didn't get any better. Grade two didn't get any better. Her education assistant, um, you know, it's in her IEP that she cannot be left unattended. Kaya is a bolter. So you have to, she has has a one-on-one aide and you have to keep your eyes on her at all times. They did not keep an eye on her at all times. And Kaya wandered off on a field trip in grade two and two parents from the PTA found her knee deep in a pond unattended. And my daughter could not swim. So, the IEP changed drastically after that. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. I mean, thank gosh they found her, but she couldn't swim. And she was knee deep when two people found her. And our kids are so drawn naturally to water. drawn yeah. to water. Um, but what I will yeah. say is her school now, she has a wonderful education assistant. We just had our best IEP ever. Um, her teacher engages with her. And I think that makes a really 
really big difference for these kids when they feel included in the class. They know in her IEP there's about five words that they cannot say, that for whatever reason those words, she explodes with them. So they're written into the IEP so everyone in the school knows not to say those words. And it's been really good the last two years. It also seems like her class is very aware. They are. Um, and very understanding. I've not met children like these kids from last year and this year. They are amazing with her. And it helps she has had the same education assistant because Kaya has seizures. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, they'd like to keep with the same one because she's been trained what to do. So, and Kaya is very comfortable with her. And Kaya seems to love she school. She does. And the principal, we have a new principal at our school, Kaya's school. And she was a special education teacher. So she has an understanding of it on a level that most people don't. And I think that helps as well. Yeah. I think that's because she helps. That's, that she, I think not a lot of schools necessarily have. And the ones that do have a principal or even a vice principal in a school that either have a background in special education or have a special needs child themselves have a better understanding what other parents are going through or why it's so important that in their school EA and like support staff have education surrounding what our kids need and how we're they are going to best support them and help them and guide them through their school years. Jackson's Jackson's special education coordinator's son um, has needs as well. And the way that she preps and leads her team is completely different because she comes from a place of understanding instead of viewing it as just a job. I think that makes such a big difference. So too. Well, and I find Katie, that- is there anything else? Well, you know, the thing is, is that I think we, to some degree, are pretty lucky in Canada you know, our education system right across the board is, is, you know, is quite well and really is built on helping those that need, need support and need direction and need help, um, in, in the school system. And, you know, there's definitely some kinks and some things that need to be worked out. And there's still a few schools here and there, I think that, are not necessarily where the rest of us are when it comes to inclusion and it comes to EAs being educated and things like that. But that's really why there's parents that exist and, and that are here just like me and Jen that, you know, we share our story and we talk about, you know, our hearts and our wins and things that we're experiencing and, and how our kids are, you know, doing in school and what we would like to see improve because I think it's so important to talk about it and get you know our communities and overall the public just to have some understanding and some knowledge that you know this is real we our kids are going through this our families are going through this and it be a win or it be a struggle you know these are very real things and the only way that it improves when we talk about education is if parents like us talk about it that's that's the first step and being real and being honest and and you know sharing sharing our truth especially when you know for our kids we have to be their voice we have to speak up and we have to you know share what our kids need and i know with our own journey and story 
it was really hard for me to find my voice at the beginning. And I was waiting, especially when Avery got into school. I had this idea that, you know, I didn't necessarily have to speak up or, you know, really say a whole lot because we had this school team. We had a, you know, we had an IEP and we had an EA and, you know, and they must all know what they're doing. That you're exactly right. And that's, that's what happened, you know, the first, especially in kindergarten. Yeah. I didn't want to ruffle any feathers and I, you know, you have my ch my child all day and I had no idea how to navigate the system yeah. as far as what she was, in, you know, um, her basic humanity for her, not sticking her in a cloakroom. And I'm, I, I'm serious when I say they put her in a cloakroom. In this day and age, I mean, it, obviously it should never happen, but now, <laughs> you know? Well, and that's, right. the, and that's the thing. The thing is, is that you know, with us and, and Avery, it, it was kindergarten, you know, um, I think back to when he was in kindergarten and that seems like 10 years ago, it wasn't 10 years, but it feels like it was. And it was just, it was a lot of hard. It was a lot of bad days. And I had this, like, just this, I was waiting. I was literally waiting for it to get better. And then finally, we just had so many bad days, so many hard days, so many days where Avery wasn't receiving, you know, even like a, a just a start and a level of a good quality of life while he was at school that honestly, I kind of broke. That's what happened. I, I snapped and I remember it like it was yesterday. And my husband was like, you cannot go into that school yeah. and say all of these things. You can't do that. And I said, but why? Like, why can't I? And he says, well, I don't know what's going to happen if you go and do that. And I did. And, you know, it was the first time in our in our whole entire journey and the very first time at the start of it there, especially when we're talking about education, that I felt like I knew how to use my voice, knew how to advocate for my kid. And I was taking control of a very bad situation that was about to get out of control. And and nobody was nobody was helping and nobody was stopping it. And I'm looking back so glad that we went through that hard. It, it sounds crazy, you know, thinking I'm glad we went through that hard. But if we wouldn't have, I don't know where we would be today. I, you know, if I wouldn't have kind of snapped and, you know, kind of came to the realization that nobody's coming to save us nobody's coming to hold our hand we need to fight for this little boy we need to you know speak up we need to really be on top of the school like i don't know what our uh, where we would be today i don't know what our journey would look like so that is something i hope for every single family that you know listens to all of us talking here and just any family that is going through a win or a hard, you know, just remember that in the education system, be it in the U.S. or be it in Canada, wherever it may be, that it's so important that you use your voice and that you really push for your kid that they have their, that they're living like their very best life and have all the supports they need and help and that you need to be that mom. Mm -hmm. So Jen, where can people find you um, on social media that have listened to this episode and want to learn more about you? And learn um, more about I blog Kaya? about her on Facebook at Keeping Up With Kaya. 
Um, and on Instagram, it's keeping up with Kaya or keeping up with underscore Kaya. Yeah. Perfect. Thank well, you. Thank ladies. you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Um, you have so much to teach us and we're just so well, thank thankful you that you me. are sharing thank your you. story. Well, everyone, we thank you so much for listening and we um, look forward to hearing from you again soon. You can find me on Facebook at Jackson's Journey, Jackson's Voice, and you can find Kate, Katie, on Facebook as well at A Journey for Avery. So thank you so much, everyone. Good ladies.